This week's main feature is about drug addiction, and our guest scientist tells of a study into cocaine addiction and why some people become addicted and others do not. You might also learn about the distinction between addiction, habits and compulsion. You're listening to The Science Show on Cambridge 105. In this section called Scientists at Work, we talk to people who, for some reason or another, find themselves working, researching or thinking about science in Cambridge, England. We'll go straight on to today's guest scientist. She is Dr Karen Ursher, who's been researching into what lies behind addictive behaviour and how this may be turned into useful therapy. Karen works at the Department of Psychiatry in the School of Medicine on the Addenbrooke's Hospital site. I visited and asked about her particular interest. I'm a researcher interested in drug addiction, specifically cocaine, which is a highly addictive drug, widely used in the UK. But some people experience a dark side of the drug and they become addicted to it, which causes a lot of harm, not only to them, but also to their families, to the communities they live in, to society as a whole. And... I would like to find out why these people get dependent on drugs like cocaine and others don't. And I like to understand what cocaine does in the brain, how it changes the brain. So somebody who is addicted to drugs will tell you that they're not the same person anymore. They do things that are against common sense. And I would like to find out what the drugs do in the brain, how they change, how they turn people's lives upside down. And... I would like to use that knowledge, and this is the good thing about science, it's, it's neutral, tell you the facts. And on the basis of these facts, I would like to find new treatments Can to treat this disorder. Tell us anything about the drug itself, what it does. Cocaine gives people a buzz. It increases several substances in the brain. One is called dopamine, and what dopamine also does, it gives a taste for more. So when people use cocaine and feel good, they actually want more. It's different to other drugs like, for example, heroin or nicotine. You take the drug and then you have enough for a while, and you crave it once the effects wear off. But with cocaine, you actually get the taste when you're on it, and you want more and more and more, and many people use it in binges. And it is difficult to find a pharmacological treatment, because as for heroin, there's methadone to keep the cravings under control and keep people stable. There's no such treatment for cocaine and crack, because if you would give people a substitute, that would make it worse. The generation of dopamine is common to other drugs, is it not? Yes, that is an addictive property of the drug. So it increases the release of dopamine triggered by cocaine. It's part of the buzz that you get and that makes you want more. So it's the addictive property. Many drugs of abuse release dopamine, but in different ways. And the way cocaine releases dopamine is specific to its addictive properties. makes it so addictive. Your research, what is involved doing this you you take lots of cocaine no i don't take cocaine and we don't give cocaine to our participants i for example invite participants who have problems with their use of cocaine and at the moment we are recruiting participants who have a problem in controlling their use so one problem 
that people have is when they want to cut down on cocaine, they find it very hard to cut down. They, they, they use get out of control. And we would try a medication that is already licensed. It's licensed for people who have ADHD. And we want to see whether this works in people who have a problem in regulating their cocaine use or cutting down their cocaine use, helping them improving their self-control abilities. And so how we do this, we invite participants who have problems with their cocaine or crack use. And first of all, we check whether they are healthy enough to take part in the trial. Then we give them a medication, which can be either the drug or this medication or a placebo drug, a dummy tablet. And we ask them to undergo a brain scan and then we see what the drug is doing in the brain. We give them some tasks to do and then we can see whether the medication actually does what we think it should do and whether it may help people who have problem with their cocaine and crack use to regulate their behavior. And this is a first study to find out whether that might be a potential treatment. So it's not a substitute for the drug, but it may be a drug that may help people controlling their use and when they decide to cut down or to remain abstinent. So what are you measuring when people are coming in and, and in parallel taking these drugs, the placebo? Well, they need to come in several times. The first time when they come in, we need to find out that they're healthy because we don't want to put anyone at risk. And if they are healthy, if they are also happy to take part in the trial, they need to come again twice on one occasion, and we don't know which, what they get on the first occasion, and they don't know, so it's a double-blind trial. They take the medication and we give them some tests, some cognitive functions, because if you take a medication and it makes you very sleepy, mm-hmm. or it makes you forget your memory, mm-hmm. you know, you have very poor memory, you can't concentrate, it's important that we reg- would record this and that we know how the drugs not only affects your use of the drug, but also how it affects your other parts of your, your way of thinking. So your concentration. So we give them some tests and see um, how they perform on these tests. We ask them, our participants, to undergo a brain scan to see how uh, what it does in the brain. And um, on the, in the next session, when they come again, they are doing the same things again, or they have the other tablet that they haven't had before. So on one occasion, they have the dummy tablet, and on one occasion, they have the real thing. But we don't know what is what, what, is what on each session. And is this a future? Or, I mean, what other things have you done? You haven't, is this yes. your first uh, piece no, of work? No, no, no. And I also, so I'm, I'm particularly interested why it is that some people become addicted to drugs. A lot of people take drugs. There's only a minority of people who get addicted. But who are they? And what makes them so vulnerable? So we know that drug addiction runs in families, but we haven't identified the gene yet that is responsible for addiction. And perhaps there is not a single gene, and perhaps the story is more complicated than that. Perhaps it's also the environment or the environment in combination with the gene. The story is more complicated. At my last study, I invited participants with a dependency on, on cocaine, crack, or amphetamines, and they came along with their brother and sister, their full brother and sister, who um, had the same parents, but they, they themselves have never abused drugs. Of course, they have been exposed to alcohol, but only social drinking, or they, some of them smoke cigarettes, some of them had tried cannabis, but they were not dependent on the drug. They had no problems with drugs. And they have not been abusing drugs like cocaine or hard drugs. 
So we gave them a lot of tests, so personality tests, tests about their, or we asked them about their backgrounds, their the paths of life, and we also asked them to undergo a brain scan. We also invited a group of people who were from the community who had no family history of addiction and have never tried drugs themselves as a as a comparison group. And we had a fourth group of people who were had no family history of addiction but who had been using cocaine for several years without ever making the transition to dependence. So we had these four groups, people who had the problem, people who were vulnerable because they have a family history uh, of addiction, healthy volunteers who have never tried drugs, never had anybody in their family taking drugs, and people who had nobody in their family taking drugs, but they have taken drugs but never had a problem with it. And what we found was that the people had the problems with cocaine and, and crack. They had difficulties to control their behavior, and we could measure this with several tests. They had an impulsive personality trait, that is when you act on the spur of the moment, you act on your, on your feelings, you act out and think later whether that was appropriate. And we also gave them tests where we could test how well they inhibit their behavior when they are given very short notice to stop. Indeed, people with dependencies, in particular dependents of, of highly addictive drugs like cocaine, they had problems in stopping their behavior. But not only they had problems, also their brothers and sisters had to the same amount these problems. So these can't be caused by the drugs. These must have been there before they started using drugs. And that is an indicator that people who have problems with self-control and stopping and regulating their behavior, they're actually at risk. So if they take a drug that is highly reinforcing, then for them it's particularly hard to take it or leave it. It's easy for the drug to take over. And the recreational users who can take the drug or leave it, they had very good abilities to regulate their behavior. They were not impulsive, they had not this personality trait of impulsivity, and they also performed well on tasks where they had to suddenly stop an ongoing behavior which is very hard, but they could do it. And we could link the performance of our participants to areas of the brain where we know that these areas are involved in self-regulation. And we could not only find that the drug-dependent people and their brothers and sisters had problems regulating their behavior, but also that this was related to changes in their brain in, in exactly these areas that were responsible for self-regulation. So that was a a marker in the behavior, but but also in the brain. And again, we, we could see that in uh, healthy people and in people who have no problems with their drug use, that this was not the case. They, they had better fibers in the brain uh, in these areas. Is anything that you said there suggesting to me that it, it was just the difference between us being exposed to this drug and not being exposed to this would be well yeah. on the way downhill. So if you are at risk, it's probably better not to start. And one personality trait that has been associated with initiating drug use is sensation-seeking. So these are people who uh, like new things, like novelty. They will never watch the same movie twice. It's too boring. They going to new holiday destinations, never go to the same place twice. When they go in a restaurant, they order something that... They've not, never tried before. They like new things. And so if you have a personality trait to try out new things and you offer drugs, you're more inclined to try that than if you are somebody who likes only familiar 
things. The, the, the people who use drugs, either the dependent group or the recreational groups, had high levels of sensation-seeking. So it seems to confirm that this is a trait that people who try drugs have, whereas the drug-dependent siblings who have not tried drugs or never went down a, a long-term drug-taking route, they, they were not sensation-seeking. Perhaps that protected them from not going down the route of addiction okay. because they haven't, haven't tried. Is there not some irony in what we've said in terms of defining people as wanting to keep changing what they do? perhaps once they started taking cocaine, they might trade something else. Well, there's two things to it. So the recreational users used cocaine also on a regular basis. But in order for addiction to develop, you need to develop also a habit. So addiction, a one-off or even irregularly, addiction doesn't develop. It only develops if you give the brain the opportunity to to adjust to the drug. And that doesn't happen overnight. So you need to develop first a habit of regular use. And only if you expose yourself to the drug often enough, then addiction can happen. Sensation-seeking on its own is not enough. So you also need to be a creature of habit to repeat this often enough for the brain to develop dependence. And this is what we saw in the dependent group. These were all creatures of habit. They like rituals in their normal life, and the, the siblings as well. If you are a creature of habit, it's uh, probably important not to start with drugs because if you use drugs regularly, you are then at risk of making the transition to dependence. But if you don't have a tendency to repeat and to, to build rituals and to form habits easily, then you're not so much at risk. Then it's more a one-off or a r- irregular thing which is what we saw in the, um, in the recreational users. So while I'm here, you might be able to advise me on my shopping addiction. Is that similar? I think what I would like to say is ad- I would not use the word addiction in that sense okay. because it's a bit uh, misleading to drug addiction. Okay. I think what would be useful to become clear about is what is a habit and what is a compulsion. And I think what you describe as your... Shopping addiction is more like a shopping compulsion. And in that regard, it's important to look at habits first, because habits or habit is a pattern that is developed by repetition or practice. And usually it's through conscious choice. So you, you want to do something, you do it repeatedly, you practice it, and you get very good at it, yeah. so that you don't need to think about this a lot. And you get better with time. It makes you better, so the positive outcome is actually positive. And a compulsion is a habit that gets out of control or has gotten out of control. It just happens without a conscious choice. And an addiction is using the same it is, terms? It is a habit that has gone out of control but in the presence of addictive drugs, which makes things a bit more complicated because drugs like cocaine have a potentially toxic effect and may also exacerbate the drug-taking So it is a a spiral that starts off. So you develop a compulsion of something that you need to take more and more and more of. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about the nicotine smoking problem? Where does nicotine sit on your addiction, compulsion, kind of habit scale? Nicotine is also a drug and is also an addiction. But the drugs have all different effects and people take drugs for slightly different reasons. So because the nicotine makes people concentrate a bit better, many people say this, or that may, maybe it is different to a drug like, like alcohol, which takes anxiety away. 
So there are different reasons why people take drugs, and these drugs work differently in the brain as well. And although they all affect similar systems, they're also different in their actions. And so nicotine is an, is an addiction or can be an addiction. Okay. It's a good, good example. It can be an addiction because some people smoke only a few cigarettes irregularly. There are some who just are light yeah, smokers, only, only in certain situations, but they don't need to smoke the whole package and won't smoke the whole package even if it's next, uh, lying yeah. next to them. Uh, but other people, they increase the amount. They start smoking and quickly they are onto one package. And although the prices of tobacco have increased considerably, it hasn't stopped them stopping, stopping their habit. You can be a light smoker okay. and smoke nicotine irregularly without any problems. You can have a nicotine habit and you can also be a compulsive chain smoker. So there are different different, different phases and you have this with other drugs as well. You have that with alcohol as well. You can be a social drinker. So not everyone who drinks alcohol turns immediately into somebody with an alcohol problem. But you have people who develop dependence, who need their alcohol every day, and there are people who binge on alcohol. And the same you see in drugs like nicotine, and you see this in drugs like cocaine. It can be an addiction, but it doesn't have to be. Excellent. Thank you, Dr. Karen. Thank you, Dr. Karen Ursher. That's pretty much all for today's show. Scientists at Work is made by the Science Show team on Community Radio, Cambridge 105. You can also find past episodes on the website, www.cambridge105.fm. You can also subscribe to future podcasts with the iTunes store. You can get in touch with us on the email science at cambridge105.fm or on Twitter at 105science. Till next time, it's bye from the Science Show team of Roger Frost and Chris Crease. You're listening to The Science Show on Cambridge 105. <laughs>